helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. Thank you so much for joining us in another episode of the Life Transformation Show. Today's show is titled Overcoming Childhood Abandonment Part 2. Yes, last week we looked at the first of this two-part series and we used the example of King David's own abandonment by his parents to speak and to illustrate and crystallize this topic. This week, we're going to be primarily looking at what to do if you have been abandoned by a parent or both parents. People who have been given up for adoption, for example, may carry an abandonment wound. Similar people who have parents who have moved away from them to start other families may be suffering some kind of abandonment wound. But last week, we said that there are other forms of abandonment which does not involve the physical going away of a parent. And we talked about emotional abandonment that can include such things as a parent who is aloof, a parent who is not present emotionally because of mental illness or drug use. And we also talk about abandonment if you have parents who were narcissistic or highly self-centered. If you missed last week's show, I would recommend that you go back and do look at that list that we gave last week because there are more things that I, I cannot cover in today's show on that list to see if you have suffered abandonment in your family. Last week, as I said before, we used the story, the example of King David to illustrate this topic. And it's a sort of strange take because not many people think of King David as being an abandoned person or abandoned child. But if you read passages like Psalm 27 and verse 10, you read, and that passage, quote, For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord gathers me in, unquote. So there you have it, that passage. And there are several other passages that I used last week to bring this abandonment of King David to the fore and to make it clear that there are passages that suggest that King David was an abandoned child. We know of the well-known story in in 1 Samuel 16 where when the prophet Samuel asked, they asked Jesse to call his sons, he sent for all his sons except for King David. And last week, he wasn't king at that time except for his son, David. And so last week, we look at possible reasons why this was so, as well as giving other scriptural references to substantiate that point of King David's abandonment. But this week, we won't have time to get into all of those passages. So if you have missed last week's show, I encourage you to listen to it by going to our YouTube channel. Just search for elimcounselingministry.com. 
Elim is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. And you will find the show in its entirety there that you can listen to. Last week, we looked at the long-term effects of abandonment and some of the mental health impacts of abandonment. But this week, we are going to be looking at what to do if you have suffered abandonment. And we're going to be given practical tips to help you navigate that difficult experience. As we said last week, there are many physical, emotional, and mental health aspects of of abandonment or long-term effects of abandonment. So it's important to know how to deal with it if you have been abandoned or if you are dealing with someone, helping someone who has been abandoned, how to help them navigate that difficult experience. So the first point I want to uh, speak of today in dealing with long-term abandonment or dealing with abandonment or the effect of abandonment, I should say, is to let go of unrealistic expectation. Many people who are abandoned is still holding on to the expectation that the parent who have abandoned them may somehow love them the way that they want to be loved or become that parent that they dream of. And so they have this expectation of the parent that they keep holding on, hoping to be loved or to be valued or treated in a way that makes them feel uh, worthwhile but it never happens. So if you are an adult and you have had a lifelong experience of being emotionally abandoned by your parent and you're still hoping for that to change, my first point for you today is that if it hasn't changed over these years, you are probably never going to get what you're hoping to get from that parent. And I see many of my adult clients who, like the beggar at the rich man's table in the parable, they're feeding from any little morsel of attention that they can get from their parents who are are self-centered and neglectful. And so they're, they're hoping and holding on to any little crumbs of attention they can get. And it keeps them starved and hoping for a affection that will never come their way. And they suffer one disappointment after another. Because the father who have abandoned you in childhood is probably not going to be the father that you want them to be in adult life. This is not to say that people can change in in some respects, but uh, psychological studies show that personalities or personalities do not change substantially over time. And how many of you know that you can st- be a Christian, you can be a, cr- a born-again person and still have selfish traits that you carry with you into your relationships? 
So just because a parent has now declared that they are a believer and they're serving God, it doesn't mean that emotionally they are capable of giving you what you need to feel loved and accepted. So if you're holding on to that hope and longing to get from that parent what you have never get gotten, I would suggest that the first thing that you need to do is to let that go. Accept the fact that they're incapable of giving you what you need. And mourn that loss and love them and move on. I'm not asking for you to hold grudges against your parent or to be bitter, but I'm saying there is a way in which you can deal with that by accepting the fact that they're incapable of loving you the way that you want or giving you the attention and the affirmation that you desire and to mourn that loss and move on. This is a very important first step because I have seen so many of my Christian clients who are still suffering one disappointment after another because they're hoping that their dad would pay them the attention that they didn't get as a little girl, but it never happened. They keep being disappointed time after time. So have a funeral where you bury that expectation. Have a funeral where you grieve the death of that hope and move on to this place of acceptance where you can say, I am, I have now accepted that I will never get the love and attention that I desire from that parent. Now, having taken that first step, it takes us to the second step in overcoming childhood abandonment, and that is the step of forgiveness. Forgive your parent who abandoned you. As long as you hold on to bitterness and resentment, you will be trapped in this cycle of abandonment and disappointment that will only make you uh, hurt and become more uh, psychologically and physically affected over time. Forgiveness is not letting them off the hook. They will have to deal with God for not playing their role as a parent, but you can let go of that anger and bitterness that you have and choose in your heart to forgive them so that you can heal. As long as you're holding on to unforgiveness and bitterness, it's hard for you to to heal from the effects of that abandonment. So I would suggest that you do this exercise. Write a list of the different things that you need to forgive your parent for. Secondly, I would like you to look at the possible reasons why your parent or parents weren't able to give you what you needed as a child. You see, many parents who uh, cannot give the love and affection that the child needs, they too have had abandonment in their childhood. Some of these parents were given over to other relatives to raise, or they were put in orphanages, or they had parents who just moved away to be with another 
person or the family and neglected them. So a lot of these parents do not have the example of a loving parental figure in their life. So they cannot give you what you need. It's a writerless. Look at the reason why this person may not have been able to give you what you needed. And look at the effects that it has had on your life. Because to forgive, you have to be open to looking at the impact. Forgiveness is not burying your head in the sand and going into denial by saying, no, it doesn't matter, you know, they did the best that they could, or, you know, they, I, I got as much as I needed and I'm a stronger person because my dad was aloof and harsh and allowed me to, to, aloof and allowed me to do whatever he I wanted to do, or he was harsh and mean to me. And so as a result of that, I am now a stronger man. Those are our denial uh, examples. What you need to do is to have a realistic, uh, a realistic knowledge of how this has affected you negatively and then choose to forgive and move on. So remember the key point here that you can truly forgive if you are minimizing the impact of this person, making excuses for this person, or still holding on to this expectation that you're going to change and give you the love that you need. So you need to get to this place where you say, I am deciding to forgive after realizing that I will never get what I need from that parent. And the third point is to become aware of any negative self-concept that you have developed as a result of being abandoned. Maybe you have developed the negative self-concept of, I am not good enough. Children sometimes can take on blame for the actions of their parents. Children' mindset may say something to the effect of, if I were a better child, then my dad would not have moved out to start another family. Or if I were better at my schoolwork, then my parents would never divorce and my mom would not have moved away uh, hundreds of kilometers from where I am living. So this negative self-concept is shaped as a result of the negative experience. So feelings of not being good enough, I am not good enough, but it could also be, I am not lovable. If my parents had truly loved me, then they would be here with me. There can also be negative self-concepts such as I am defective. There must be something wrong with me at my very core because I have seen all these other uh, children who have their both parents who loves them and is involved in their lives. And what's wrong with me why my parent abandoned me and wasn't there for me the way that I am uh, that I needed. So this feeling of being defective uh, can also be one of those negative self-concepts. And there's a whole list of negative self-concepts that you can find 
online. What I would suggest that you do is to get one of these lists and go through this list and begin to identify how many of these negative self-concepts do you carry as a result of the abandonment that you have suffered at the hands of your parents. Now, once you have developed this list of negative self-concept, I want you to see this as lies that the enemy of your soul has tried to get you to believe about yourself. They are, they are lies. They are not true because your worth as a person has nothing to do with how you have been treated as a child. Michael will be right back. You have been listening to the Life Transformation Show where award-winning psychotherapist Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services has continued with the topic Childhood Abandonment Part 2. You can find out more about us at elimcounselingministry.com or by calling 1-877-204-2914, where you can also make a donation to this Christ-centered ministry. Your donations help us to stay on the air and to provide subsidized counseling to those who can't afford it. Back to Michael. Your worth have nothing to do with the with the bad decisions that your parents make. So begin to challenge those negative self-concept. If you have been telling yourself that you are not good enough, you are not lovable, you are defective, or or you're you're not smart enough, whatever it is, begin to challenge that and begin to look at evidence to the contrary. What are some of the things that you can come up with that will say that you are lovable? that you are not defective that you that you are good enough i'm sure that there are examples that you could think of if you are failing because you're just you've just become so negative of yourself ask some of the people in your support group who knows you and love you and and uh, are aware of who you are as a person and see what are some of the good things that they have to say about you. And then the fourth point is to let go of your negative view of people and organizations. You see, a lot of people who have been abandoned develop this fear of being hurt by others. So they develop walls. They develop this concept of others that others are dangerous. Others will hurt me. And so they, they build this wall that makes it difficult for people to get close to them in, in, in their lives. And so, and so they become isolated and even more sad and more dejected and lonely. So if you are listening and you can say, yes, I have my walls up. I have a hard time letting people in. It is because you have the subconscious or maybe conscious view of others that they cannot be trusted. They are going to hurt me the same way that my parent or parents did. Begin to challenge that notions because 
in everything there you have good and bad. And just because your parents abandoned you doesn't mean that every person you let into your life will do the same. So challenge this notion and begin to list examples of people that you know who have, who have not let you down, who have been there for you. And think of these examples and do not dwell on the negative examples that you you can think of because what happens when a person have been abandoned early in childhood they look for examples of how others have let them down and that's all they can see this is called confirmation bias they're actually looking for a way to prove that they are not lovable that that they are defective and that others are going to abandon them and so all they can think of is that relationship where this person really hurt me when I trusted them. But what they fail to consider is the many other relationships that they have had with people who have been faithful, who have been steadfast, and who have been kind and caring. And sometimes it's hard for them to see that these people exist because they major on the negative in such a way that it becomes their reality. And the next point I would like to speak on today, which I'll, I'll probably take the rest of the show to develop, is to uh, build your relationship with God. There are many studies that have been done that shows that a relationship with God can go a far way to healing emotional wounds and, and developing this personal this sense of well-being, this personal sense of well-being. And so one study that I want to quote from today is a study that is published in the Journal of Religion and Health. And this study looked at the perception of accountability to God and psychological well-being among U.S. adults. And so, one of the things that it was said in this study, and I'll just read here a portion of this study. Accountability to God as a virtue has not been explicitly acknowledged in the religion and health literature, but the potential value of this concept is implied in research showing that religious norms and expectations have consequences for personal well-being. The article went on to say that the concept of God as a loving parent figure is a, a concept that can lead to a number of psychological benefits. And I'll just read here a portion of that paragraph. It says, The component of God who is perceived as omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent is generally acknowledged and perceived. Feedback from God through prayer meditation and the reading of sacred texts in both, is both valued and desired. So they are saying this perception of God as a parent figure who is all-powerful, all-knowing, and, and whom we get in touch with through, through prayer and meditation, that this is a practice or a concept that is both valued and desirable. So the attachment that we have to God as a 
parental figure can go a long way to healing this sense that we have that we are not good enough or we have no worth because God is presented in scripture as a loving, caring father who sacrifices for us on our behalf so that we, our needs can be met. God is not positioned in scripture as selfish or uncaring or someone who abandons us. He gives of himself completely through his son so that we could have our emotional, physical, and psychological needs met. The study also went on to look at some of the key components of psychological well-being and to see whether or not this concept of God could could uh, meet those important uh, aspects of personal well-being. So the four aspects of personal well-being that they looked at was happiness, a sense of mattering, dignity, and meaning and purpose. And they looked at whether or not a relationship with God could help in those four areas. And when it comes to happiness, the research that was done shows that happiness is strongly shaped by social context. And I'm just reading here a section of the study where it says, and is therefore likely to be associated with accountability to God, possibly through self-regulation, social integration, and self-image mechanism. So what they're saying that a person who has a relationship with God is more likely to be happy because there are principles involved in being accountable to God where you regulate your emotions. You just don't allow your emotions to get you into trouble and do whatever you want to do and suffer the consequences of living a life out of control. So this concept of God who to whom we're accountable is actually good for our psychological well-being because it helps us to regulate ourselves in ways that keeps us emotionally healthy so so it is linked to to self-regulation social integration and self image mechanism. So therefore, a person who is accountable to God has a better self-image, is more socially integrated in society than being seen as delinquent and outcast, and is more likely to be able to regulate their emotions. And they're saying that these factors help to shape happiness. Then they looked at the second factor of whether or not this feeling of sense of mattering. People who abandon often feel that they don't matter. And they says being accountable to God is likely to promote this sense that we do matter. The good that we do matters to God and to society. And the fact that we are rewarded in social groups when we do good and we abide by the norms of the group, we follow the, the, the commandments of God and we are esteemed in the, in the eyes of our, our spiritual group, group, it is said that this helped to promote a positive 
image. And then they talk about dignity. And the Bible shows that we do matter to God. The Bible shows that God tells us that God dies for us. That gives us a sense of dignity. It tells us that uh, the, the, air, the hairs on our head were numbered by God before we were even born. God knows all those details about us. So those spiritual beliefs gives us dignity. And the, the, the literature says that this belief in God helps to cultivate dignity. And the fourth, meaning and purpose. Meaning and purpose is shaped by our spirituality or belief in God. When we suffer, the suffering is not in vain. The Bible tells us that God has a meaning and a purpose behind our suffering, that we do matter to God and things are not just happening to us by chance. All of these are powerful mechanisms that is built into your spirituality, where if, if you take this seriously, you can overcome this the abandonment wounds that you suffered as a child. The the literature goes on to talk about how you develop that relationship and it is largely developed through prayer. I wish I had more time to go into that, but I'm quickly running out of time. So I want to thank you for joining us on this episode of the Life Transformation Show. I encourage you to look at this, listen to this in its entirety if you have missed the first part by going to our YouTube channel at elamcounselingministry.com on YouTube. So until next time, this is your host, Michael Hart of Elam Counseling Services, praying that God would bless you with all your relationships and keep you sound in mind and pure in heart.